Dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing on this fine Sunday morning? We are giving God all the praise and glory for what he continues to do in our lives. Amen? Right? So we're going to jump right into the discussion today because I have a lot to cover. And I want to make sure that I get everything in. So if you haven't, well, I do want to make this note. If you haven't heard any of my other shows, catch them on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Go to my show page. Go to the bottom of the page. You'll get my archives. You can get all of my shows from the beginning on Spotify and on Apple as well and all other podcast platforms. 
Now, today's topic is going to be the Damascus Road. Saul converted. Now, you know this is going to be a juicy one, right? And can I just tell you something? Right off the bat, I just want to tell you. Everyone is not going to celebrate your purpose with you. I said it. It's out there. You can't say you didn't hear it from me. Now, this might be a hard pill for some of you to swallow because a lot of us feel, oh, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm praising God. I'm spreading the gospel. Not everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Newsflash. Not everyone is going to celebrate you and your calling. Not everyone is going to acknowledge your light. But just because others don't understand what your purpose is, it doesn't mean that you don't have a purpose. Jesus told us that the world would hate us because they hated him. John 15, 18 to 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It can be difficult, you know, to believe in your purpose, And what God has spoken to you concerning your journey and your purpose. Because you know you're going to encounter those who oppose that. But if you're grounded in the word of God, you won't be so tempted to abandon the call or say, oh, God really didn't speak to me so I'm not going to follow what he said, listening to what the naysayers are telling you. If you're grounded in the word. But I have great news for all of you. You were not alone in this walk. The world also disliked other individuals when they finally came around to switch and decided to stop persecuting the people of God and decided to join them. Let's take a walk on that Damascus road. Our reading today is coming from Acts 9, 1 to 26. Yes, I know it's a long one, but bear with me. It's going to be juicy. And as usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version, if anyone wants to follow along with me. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, you know, this must have been one heck of a guy if he's breathing threats of murder, right? Breathing them, not even speaking it. I continue. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground 
and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, see, I love how God is. He will come down, put the fear into you, have you shake it in your boots, and then tell you, go to the next spot, and then I'll give you the next direction. I'm not giving you everything right here. (laughs) I continue. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, how many of you know, when you have an encounter with God, I'm not saying he's going to strike you blind, but I'm going to tell you some things. You're not going to see things the way you saw them before. And you definitely got to be in a place where you like, I'm just trying to comprehend what just happened to me. I continue. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus called Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, you know, if God came to you and told you to go to somebody who you know have been asking for letters to go out and just round up people that even speaks the name of Christ, you're going to be like, wait a minute. You want me to go where and do what to who? I continue. And Ananias went his way and entered the house 
and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? In other words, uh, I know this ain't the one that was up there screaming, give me my letters so I could just go round up the people. I know he is not standing up here talking about Jesus Christ. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Let me tell you something. Blessed is the reading of the word. Okay. So we're going to back this up a little bit. We have Saul who his mission every morning when he woke up was how many people How many people am I going to snatch up for even thinking about saying the word Jesus Christ? How many? Give me my papers so I could get to work. He was acting like a bounty hunter, right? In today's language, he would have been like, oh, yeah, he's a bounty hunter. I'm going to get him. But also, think about it. In today's world, Saul would have been a perpetrator of hate crime, right? Because he despised the Jews, he despised anyone that spoke anything about Christ. So lo and behold, God was like, mm-hmm, I got something for you. So as Paul, Saul, excuse me, was on his way to do his deeds like he normally did, Jesus encountered him. Uh, excuse me. Saul called him twice. You know, when God says your name twice, he's trying to get your attention. And of course, Saul Being who he is, remember, he was all big and bold. When he heard the Lord's voice, what did he start doing? Quaking in his boots. Is this you, Lord? All of a sudden, all of a sudden you asking questions. Is it him? To the point where he fell on his knees 
And when he got up, he couldn't see a darn thing. He didn't know whether he was coming or going. Didn't want to eat. Didn't want to sleep. Three days. That magical number three, right? And then God goes to Ananias. Has Ananias. Look, I got this man over here that I'm going I'm going to make him see everything that he's done. And he's going to go out there and he's going to spread the word like I told the rest of you guys to do. He's going to learn that I am who I am. Right? And it's like, God was also telling Ananias, like when God said, vengeance is mine, don't worry about, don't worry about what he did and how he's going to pay for it. Because I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. Okay? So that right there was letting you know, don't worry. He preaching my name, but he ain't getting away with everything that he did from before. And that's a word for us to remember. Yes, a lot of us, we come to God. We've lived our lives doing whatever we was doing out there in the world, turning up. And we come to God and we're so pious and pure and holy and praise the Lord and bless you and gracious and right. But don't think that God is not. Mm-hmm. I seen what you used to do. I seen what you used to do. Don't think that we're not going to have to answer for those things. Because everything is all one. Yes, God can take everything and work it out for his benefit. Of course, we know he does that. But still yet, no one is going to escape escape the judgment. No one, even Christians. So as we're going, we see that Paul was strengthened. You know, Ananias went as the Lord told him, laid his hands on him, the Scales fell from his eyes. Scales. When you think of scales, it's like everything was so. When I think of scales, I'm like everything like crusty was just over his eyes. He couldn't see anything. So when all that fell, to me, it was like all that hatred, all that anger, all that vengeance and venom that he was carrying towards people when he looked at them for saying the word of God. All that was removed from him and it had to be on his eyes because he was looking for people to snatch up. So when God removed those scales, when Ananias touched him, it was like Saul got new eyes. He saw everything differently. And I want to tell you, when you choose to pick up your cross and follow Christ, You are indeed telling the world that you are no longer part of what they represent or what they do. And some will not believe that you've changed. Some won't believe that you've changed because you heard when he went into the synagogues and was preaching. They was like, hold up. Is this? Is this not he? Who destroyed those who called on the name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? I, like I said, they were like, oh, heck no. I know that ain't Saul standing up there talking about Christ. Christ is the Lord. What? You got to be kidding me. You know, the hotlines was. 
Twitter was blowing up with the, oh my gosh, did you hear so? Standing in the, the square talking about Jesus Christ. And yeah, child, he still had them papers in his pocket. He still had them papers and he was coming here to get these people. Blowing up. Twitter was blowing up, right? But like I said, some will not believe that you changed. Pay them no mind. You see, Paul wasn't studying that. Paul after wasn't studying. Saul wasn't studying that. He knew what he had set out to do that day, but he also knew what happened to him that day. And when you have an encounter so strong with God to where it blows your mind, You will do whatever it is that he tells you to do, when you have to do it, how you have to do it. You don't even care why you have to do it. Right? Because that's exactly the way Saul turned out. It was like a complete turnaround. People, they, they, they were actually questioning each other. This cannot be the same man because they knew the reputation that he had. And let me tell you something. People are looking at you the same way. The same way that I know that ain't Betty over there talking about she praising God and she used to be turning up on that pole twerking every Friday and Saturday night. What Betty doing? What? Hmm. No, she not. I know that is not George over there talking about don't lie. Don't mistreat your neighbors. And he's the Biggest liar going in this office. Every time something happened, he the first one to start lying to cover himself. I know that is not, girl. Did you hear what happened to Mary? Child, Mary done went down there to that church. And I don't know. She coming out now talking about this Christ and this Christ. And Jesus has helped her. And we all know Mary was running around with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that said hi to her. Got to be kidding. People are not going to believe that you've changed. They will not believe that you've changed. And they're going to say that they don't believe that you've changed. Because you see, even after he, even after the disciples heard that they wanted to kill him, they were like, okay, they want to kill him because he's preaching Christ. We also believe in Christ, so let's help him get out because they were waiting for him at the gates. They were waiting for him like, oh, yeah, he got to come back this way. And when he do, we're going to get him. They lowered him on a wall in a large basket. So they lowered him over the wall so he could get out of the city because he couldn't walk through the gates the same way he came in. And then when he went to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples like, hey, guys. How are you? You know, isn't it great? Isn't it great that we all love Christ? I can't believe that we're on this mission to just like spread the gospel, you know? And they're all looking at him like, "Mm mm-mm. And they were still scared. I'm not hanging out with him. He want to sleep where? He's not sleeping in one of our tents. Look, when we go to this next city, you know we already have our hotels picked out. I'm sharing with this one. You're sharing with that one. He ain't sleeping in our room. I don't care how many pullout cots they give us. He's not sleeping in the room with us. I do not trust him. Mm -mm, I ain't closing my eyes around this man. 
They were afraid of him and they did not believe that he was a disciple. So also remember, people are not going to believe what it is that you're saying and doing because they still want to judge you on the person that you were. Right? You're now a child of the Most High God. You live by a different standard. You live by the truth, God's truth. You understand situations differently. You make decisions differently. All because you think with the mind of God, you think with the mind of Christ, and you're assisted by the Holy Spirit every day. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. And you continue to walk on your road. In time, all will be revealed. And it will be revealed when God wants it to be revealed. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. All you have to do is walk your walk. As I stated in the beginning, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Everybody is not going to celebrate you because you've now found your purpose. Because when he was Saul, he was hated. He became Paul. He was hated. I ask you, if you're going to be hated, wouldn't you rather be on the side where you know Christ has your back? You know the Holy Spirit is there with you helping you in everything that you have to do? Think about it. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. Seasons, seasons, and I really need a reason. 
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. But before we go into Op-Ed, I'm going to let you know my musical selections for today. Of course, you know, top of the hour, we always start out with Making Changes by Grace. The first song we heard in this set was Too Serious by Don Reddy and Young Chris. The next song we heard was Help My Unbelief by Ryan Jackson. Then we heard Speak Your Name by Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. And the last song that we heard, This Joy, was sung by Torrance Rudd. I hope you all enjoyed those selections that I picked for you today. But now we're going to get back into the nitty gritty because I told you I had a lot to tell you guys today. So we're going to continue with our conversation on how people react when you begin to walk in your purpose. Don't be deceived. People know who you are and what you represent, okay? They might want to act like, oh, who she thinks she is, ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But when you're around them a while and they see how you move, because like I told you, you now have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of God and you have the help of the Holy Spirit keeping you walking on that path. Not that you're not going to, teeter sometime, detour sometime, yes, but you know that you can, you're going to be brought back if your heart is in this for the right reason. But like I said, don't be deceived. People know who you are and what you represent. And you want to know when they know? When it suits their needs. They recognize your light and your purpose when they need it. So let me just give you a little example of that. And I'm sure some of you have probably encountered this in your own encounters with people. Have you ever had somebody criticize you for the things that you say? Telling you that every word you speak, oh, you always got to attribute it to something in the Bible. Every time you say is something with the Bible. But when their life is a mess and turned upside down, or they need some guidance because they're confused and don't know what to do? Who's the first one they picking up the phone to t- call, text, send an, an emoji, like my head is exploding? You. Because as they say, air quotes, I, can't even, I know you got a connection with God. Excuse me? But only when they're in chaos that they're looking for you because they want to hear anything you have to say, right? But after life becomes bearable again for them or you've helped them through their next crisis, they don't want to hear your testimonies anymore. They don't want to hear your references to God and What's happening in the earth with the weather and maybe some hurricanes that's hitting places that haven't hit in 35 years. They don't want to hear about the scorching heat, how it's just, they've never had record heat like that. And then all these records are being broken, the, the, the wildfires, the droughts, the things, they don't want to hear none of that. They'd rather just say, oh, child, please, you know, that's just 
It's just, you know, the global warming. That's just happening with global warming. Yes, it is happening with global warming. But who do you think was allowing the global warming to take place? Who do you think was allowing for us to destroy the ozone so that there would be a global warming? Who do you think allowed us to do that? Oh, it's just those politicians just telling us whatever they want, you know, with the inflation and raising the interest rates. And girl, please, ain't nothing going to happen to your money. And Okay, but who do you think is in control of all these things? They don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to acknowledge who's in control of everything that's happening right now. So, can I tell you something? The world fears everything related or affiliated with God. Specifically, Jesus. And we saw this with the removal of prayer out of public schools and the preference for wanting people to say happy holidays as opposed to Merry Christmas. But can I tell you something else? This is not surprising because contrary to popular belief, America was not founded on Christianity. Yep, I said it. Although the founding fathers were of some sort of religious persuasion, it wasn't Christianity and they did not found America on being a Christian nation. According to AmericanProgress.org, many of the founding fathers, Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, Madison, Monroe, practice a faith called deism. Deism is defined as a philosophical belief in human reason as a reliable means of solving social and political problems. And James Madison actually objected to chaplains opening the proceedings of Congress Congress with a prayer. He was like, I ain't having it. We're not having no prayer up in this Congressional Hall before we start talking about business. So I say to you once again, America was not founded as a Christian nation. And the forefathers is actually left out the language in the Constitution that would infer that America should be considered as one nation under one religion. Instead, they put language in that would include the rights of all religions to practice freely without persecution. Because you have to remember, when they first came over here on this on their boats, they all were practicing different religions. And that's the reason why they left England, because England wanted them to practice only the one religion. And they were like, no, we want to be able to practice what we want to be able to practice. And they came over here. So you had different people practicing different things when they came over here just as we do today. So yes, you know, we do have a Christian group here in America, as we have Muslims, as we have Hindus, as we have Buddhists, as we have whatever religion. I don't know them all. I don't follow them all because it's not for me to follow them. I follow mine. 
But it makes sense to me because I've always been wondering, well, how come the church is not saying anything about this? How come the church is not up in arms when this happened? How come we didn't hear anything from the church when that happened? It's because, what could they say? They can't stand up on the podium and say, we're a Christian nation and we definitely oppose ABCD. Because you could just as easily have somebody that's of another religious group that said, well, we, we back that. We like doing that. We like that that takes place. So what are you talking about? Right? So since America is not a Christian nature, a Christian nation, what are we to do about that? What are Christians to do going forward? I'm going to tell you what we're supposed to be doing. When Christ came to the Jews, he was there to tell them what they were doing wrong. Because remember, we went through the minor prophets. God had already warned them. Get it right. Straighten up because I've had enough. When Christ came, he came to show them that I'm here to fulfill the law. Because, you know, me and my father, we knew you guys couldn't keep the law. We knew you couldn't. We knew we tried to help you keep the law. We tried to make it a little easier for you to try to keep the law. But even in us trying to make it a little easier for you, you still couldn't get it right. We knew you couldn't keep all the laws, but you couldn't even keep one. I tell you not to covet your neighbor's wife. What are you doing? As soon as he going out to market, knowing it takes him five days to get there and come back, you creeping in through the back. Really? We told you that marriage was holy and supposed to be two people coming together as one. And what do you do? Soon as you don't like that she made chicken again for dinner, you want to run up to the judge and talk about, I can't live with this woman. She got to go. Mind you, as you're talking to the judge that she got to go, you side-eyeing the chick that's standing there that want to talk about the judge, talk to the judge about how this woman unsnatched her baby. We knew you couldn't keep the law. That's why Jesus came. So with all that, we go to Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Matthew twenty two fourteen, for many are called, but few are chosen. So that's why it's so important that as Christians, we are to make our calling and election sure. Yes, this nation might not have been founded on Christianity, but it doesn't matter because when Jesus came, that nation wasn't founded on what it was. It wasn't on founded on what God had told them to do anyway, but when he left, he said, I came to fulfill the law and that I'm giving you a mandate to go out and teach 
everything that I taught you. So now if we're still living in that sort of time, in that sort of atmosphere, it doesn't change anything. You still are supposed to go out and do what he told you to do. So it doesn't matter that, oh, America's not a Christian nation. It doesn't matter. You still know what you're supposed to do. You as an individual know what you're supposed to do. And if everyone does what they're supposed to do, then it will get done. Right? I see my time is growing short. That ends up ed. But we're not going to leave without having our word of the month. Our word of the month is rebirth. Being born for a second time in a new body, a brand new beginning, like what we went over with Saul. He had a brand new beginning. He had a a chance to turn his life around and do what he should have been doing as opposed to what he was doing. And that also can be for you as well, right? Our promise for this week is going to be, let's see what this promise is. You know what? Let's just keep it with what we've been learning about anyway. Let's just keep it with everything that God has been telling us. We're going to go back to the promise that he first gave us. And it's going to be what he's warning us about. What I just read, Matthew twenty-two fourteen. For many are called, but few are chosen. I want you to think about that this week. Are you one of the called? Will you be in the number of the chosen? Only you can decide that. We all have a choice to make. We could either choose life or we could choose death. It's up to us. So with that, I say, my lovelies, everyone have a beautiful Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Think about what we talked about today. And I think I'm going to leave you guys with, let's see, what song do I want to leave you guys with? I'm going to leave you with an old C.C. Winers. Let's take this back. Let's take this all the way back. A song from the throne room. Jesus, you're beautiful. Have a blessed week.
beautiful 